1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
2: Jane Marie grew up in a small town near Flint, Michigan called Owasso. And back then, the obvious place to work was General Motors. But not for everyone.
0: My great-grandma was an Avon lady. I grew up going to Tupperware parties with my mom. And then my aunts and my grandmother and my uncle. And for me, it's like uh, every day (laughs) part of my life.
2: The thing about Michigan is that it's like a mecca for multi-level marketing companies like Avon, Tupperware, and Mary Kay. It's an MLM heartland.
0: Kind of everyone from back home has some connection, if not working as a distributor for one of these companies you know, going to parties.
2: Jane was surrounded by MLMs, but she was also skeptical of them, except for this one moment when she had a brief flirtation with one.
0: I'd forgotten this, blocked it from my memory, but I I remember I, when I was 20, I hosted one at my house once.
2: I didn't even know that. That's Jane's partner, Dan.
0: I told you. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got lost. It was a
0: lingerie one. Oh, oh. And they brought in like a rolling wardrobe rack, and then there were like prizes. And if you you if you modeled it in front of everyone, it was all all ladies. But if you'd come out of the bathroom and like show the nightgown or whatever, you would get like extra prizes. And so I got a lot of extra prizes because I have no humility, <laughs> no shame. What were the <laughs> was prizes? Just, like, it was just like an extra pair of panties or you know a candle or something. It was gross. Like don't <laughs> get me wrong, it was totally gross, but it was fun. I had a good time. How old were you? 20.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And did you like have a conception of MLMs and all these reputations and all that back then?
0: Me? Yes. I've never joined one myself.
2: But she still couldn't fully avoid them. When Jane moved to Los Angeles, she'd see Facebook posts from friends back home trying to recruit new distributors to this or that MLM. And she'd wonder, how is this okay? How is this not a pyramid scheme? For the last year, she and Dan have been answering those questions. (laughs) And to understand how this $200 billion industry exists, you have to start with one name.
3: Amway may be the answer.
2: From Business Insider and Stitcher, this is Household Name.
4: Brands you can trust.
2: Brands you know, stories you don't. I'm Dan Bobcoff. On this show, we look at how famous companies affect our lives and culture sometimes on a national scale, sometimes just on a personal level. You might be surprised at how much Amway has shaped American life in the last half century. Amway is the godfather of all multi-level marketing. Amway is the oldest. Amway is the biggest. The most powerful MLM of them all. About 40 years ago, Amway convinced a judge that it's not some illegal pyramid scheme. That one moment emboldened an entire industry, leading to an explosion of MLMs. Maybe your friends have tried to get you to buy some yoga pants or skin creams. Maybe they've tried to get you to sell them, too. So today, we're teaming up with Jane and Dan to find out how any of this is legal. Why do people sign up? And who's actually making the money here? Stay with us.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman and Mrs. DeVos. Thanks for being with us, and thanks for dropping into the office a few days ago.
2: It's early 2017. Senators are grilling Betsy DeVos on her way to becoming education secretary. She's a controversial pick. She didn't have much experience in education, but she's donated a lot of money to charter schools. Betsy DeVos is rich, and Senator Bernie Sanders has a question about that.
1: Would you be so kind as to tell us uh, how much money your family has contributed to the Republican Party over the years,
3: Senator? First of all, thank you um, for that question. I'm again was pleased to meet you in your office uh, last week. Um, I wish I could give you that number. I don't know. I have
1: heard the number was 200 million. Does that sound in the ballpark?
3: Collectively, between yeah, over my the years, entire yes. family, that's po- that's possible. Okay.
2: It's possible because of Rich DeVos, Betsy's father-in-law, and the company he co-founded in 1959, Amway. I was 23. All I know is this business.
1: I spent my life at it. It's been pretty good. But it wasn't always
2: easy. You could say Amway sells products, but really what Amway sells is something more quintessentially American. American. The idea that anyone can be an entrepreneur and make a fortune. If you don't know what multi-level marketing is, here's the short version. First, it recruits regular people to sell its products. Those people then recruit more salespeople, and they earn commission from all the salespeople beneath them. They're called the downline. The early recruits come out the best because they earn commissions on what their recruits sell, and commissions on their recruits' recruits, and their recruits' recruits' recruits. All the way down the line. The higher you are on the chain, the better it is for you. If all this sounds like a pyramid scheme, well, you're not far off. It is in the shape of a triangle. But legally, there is a line between a pyramid scheme and multi level marketing. Which brings us back to Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. They both live in Los Angeles now. For the past year, they've been making a podcast that confronts head on the world of multi level marketing in America. Jane was a reporter for This American Life, and Dan was a rock musician, until they became partners at their own production studio. What kind of partners are you? Professional? Romantic?
0: Yeah, so we're both. Yeah. As partners, partners, like sitting around Netflixing and chilling, we were like, we should have a recording studio. We should make the thing that we want. We should make the place where we want to
2: work. Nice. So we did. And last week, they launched a new show called The Dream. Here's a bit of their trailer.
0: Pyramid schemes are against the
3: law, okay? But this is not one of them. In this area, I was encountering women that didn't even have bank accounts, that had their credit cards shut off.
4: People that failed, they were told, you failed because you just didn't work hard enough.
0: Do they know that what they're setting up is taking advantage of people?
4: No authority in
1: the country right now will openly acknowledge this for what it is.
0: All of those annoying Facebook ads you see about, we have an incredible business opportunity for you. How would you like to earn a living working 10 hours a week and only selling candles? Like that kind of thing. I don't get those ads. <laughs> you don't get those ads?
2: No, but I get ads for ZipRecruiter telling me that they're sponsoring podcasts. So I think I've been uh, very, very typecast.
0: You don't have enough cousins in rural Michigan, female, <laughs> female cousins in rural Michigan who, who really like makeup. And that's all I that's my whole feed on Facebook. So we have this this thread going throughout the series of my personal experience and my family and my hometown and how these companies flourish there. And then, you know, our big question was, why? (laughs) Why are they flourishing? Why when we see the numbers and we know that people aren't making money? How is this a thing? And Dan discovered that the reason was Amway. So he's going to tell the story of all of that, of the history of MLMs, of the history of Amway and what happened to Amway and the industry of multi-level marketing after Amway beat the FTC.
2: Okay, so before I talked to Jane and Dan, I was only vaguely aware of Amway. I knew it sold a lot of things, but I couldn't tell you exactly what they were. So let's get a little Amway 101. Amway was started in 1959 by
5: two people, Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel. They had themselves started out as uh, salespeople for a company called Neutralite, which is arguably the first multi-level marketing company. They had tried and failed at several different businesses and then became Neutralite distributors and performed well because they got in really early. But one of the problems with Neutralite was that they sold dietary supplements. And at that time, the FDA was cracking down on dietary supplements in a major way and felt like Neutralite science was not really backing up their claims. So Van Andel and DeVos decided that they shouldn't be in the supplement game and decided to sell a soap called
2: Frisk. And that was their first product. So this is the birth of Amway, soap. But it's a lot more than that now. Today, Amway sells more than 450 products, beauty products, skincare, electronics, kitchen things. And along the way, Rich DeVos and Jay Van Andel got over their fear of selling dietary supplements. Amway actually bought Nutrilite in the 70s.
3: Nutrilite pioneered phytonutrient supplements in 1934.
2: Now it's the company's biggest seller. What made you so obsessed with Amway? The reason
5: I became obsessed with them was specifically because as I would talk to uh, various people who were experts on MLMs, and what people kept saying to me was there was a case that happened in 1979, and it was the FTC versus Amway, where... The government had been successfully prosecuting MLMs for the prior decade. It seemed as though the government had decided that multi-level marketing was a fraudulent business model. For about 10 years, they were taking down several of the biggest companies in very high-profile
2: cases. Perhaps the most high-profile takedown of an alleged pyramid scheme by the Federal Trade Commission was its case against a company called Holiday Magic in 1974. This was an MLM that sold scented cosmetics and some kind of personal empowerment.
5: Today, I am earning more money each week than 90% of the American people earn a year. Soon, my earnings per day will be likewise.
4: This money will continue as long as I desire it to. Wealth comes from giving something of value to other persons who are willing to pay for this value. Each man in a
1: The FTC charged
2: fight. holiday magic with deceptive trade practices. It became a success story for the opponents of MLMs. In this moment, it seemed the FTC was about to take down the whole industry.
5: And then it changed with that Amway case. — They used the same evidence and the same tactics going into this Amway case, but they lost. And because of that loss, a lot of people feel like the industry was emboldened, that they would be able to operate more
2: freely. Amway insists it's not a pyramid scheme. It says it's possible to make more money than people above you on the chain. Amway even made a YouTube video explaining why it's not one. Unfortunately... People, companies, and even countries get stuck with labels that are not true. Those labels can ruin reputations. Amway has one of these untrue labels, pyramid scheme. So let's better understand this label so we can remove it. The video goes on to explain the ways Amway avoids meeting the legal definition of a pyramid scheme. And it essentially lists the same reasons the judge gave in 1979 when he ruled Amway wasn't one. Here are the main reasons. To sell for Amway, you become what it calls an independent business owner, or IBO. It costs almost nothing to become an IBO, like $100 or less. And then consumers actually want the Amway products those IBOs are selling to their friends and family. Maybe many of them really do like the shampoo and knife sets. Amway always emphasizes this point. They did so again when we contacted them for comment writing that, quote, Amway has long been recognized as a legitimate direct selling business, primarily because Amway business owners sell quality products to consumers and no one earns income unless the products are sold, unquote. And if those products don't sell, Amway allows IBOs to return the leftovers for a refund. But then you read the company's business reference guide, which is this 56-page PDF that explains how IBOs actually make money, and it's not very enticing. First of all, it's said in 2016 that less than half of Amway's independent business owners were active. And active means they did something Amway-related, like maybe selling a product, or at least trying to sell a product, or maybe they met with someone, they tried to recruit... And then for those who are active, Amway says the average income for its IBOs is less than $2,500 per year. That's like $200 a month. And that doesn't include a lot of expenses to run the business. Amway even admits often those expenses are higher than what people earn. And there isn't even an estimate of how much people are losing if they're not active every month of the year, for instance, which Amway says, of course some people choose not to be. All that's in the fine print. We asked Amway about this, and the company wrote, saying, quote, Amway is a low-cost, low-risk option for people to supplement their income. While most conduct their Amway businesses part-time, which is common in our industry, some grow their business beyond that, unquote. The way each MLM works is a little different. But if this is the picture we get just from looking at Amway, how do any of these schemes manage to attract people? Well, the promises are that you can make it's it's entirely up to you. But if you work
5: hard enough, commit yourself to this. If you do everything that they tell you to do, and that's a long list, then you um, have the chance to make millions. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is a guy named Robert Fitzpatrick, who is one of the experts that we talked to, was at an Amway meeting and someone spoke up and said you know well i'm a school teacher i mean how is like how is this going to affect me or whatever and there and someone said well that's a loser job being a school teacher you don't want that not for you or for your family you know, you want this. You want to be rich. You want to prove to everyone in your community, everyone in your family, that you can do this, that you can provide for them not only what you need, but all of your dreams, what you want. I mean, everything about about the way these companies operate involves heightened emotion. And uh, one of the reasons for that as well is that the last thing that they want anyone to do ever is to look at the actual numbers. And be rational. That's not what the conversation should be ever, because if you were to look at those numbers, first of all, it it takes so long and people (laughs) will get bored and walk away. Um, But ultimately, you would find that it's next to impossible to be successful. Um, Is that true for Amway,
2: too? Are they all about emotion?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, Opportunity meetings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure.
1: And we didn't know what day it was gonna, we were beco- going to become successful, but we knew it was coming soon because we had a system no different than you.
4: When we spout off to our friends that we are putting stakes in the ground and here's our company, they're looking at us. And if they don't see us making headways, we are creating doubt in
5: them. They all follow the same line, which is you're reaching out emotionally to people. I mean, it, you're a
0: winner. If you want to yeah. be a winner like me, sign up. Don't second guess it. Just trust me.
5: People who are negative uh, in regards to MLMs, people who tell you that MLMs are bad, that they're fraudulent, they're that jealous. there's something wrong, they're jealous. They're losers.
1: I don't believe in the economic situation out there affecting me. I believe I affect the economic
4: situation that I live in.
1: How big is your dream tonight?
4: Don't tell me about the night after night after night after night you've been out there and you've shown the plan and nobody got in and nobody and nobody and nobody got in and your friends laughed at you and they ridiculed you. It's too late. It's saturated. It'll never happen. It won't work. You're going to listen to the losers or the winners.
2: What does the Amway name mean? Uh, The American way. Yeah. What do you think they mean by that? The dream. The dream. So so the same as your show. It's
5: all couched in the American dream.
2: A dream even for the vast numbers who are losing money trying to sell enough through an MLM. Over the years, Amway distributors have run for office and held positions in Congress. They've often been elected with the financial support of the DeVos family and the larger Amway network. And MLM-friendly politicians come from both parties. Bill Clinton was a big supporter during his time in the White House.
4: I am delighted to have this opportunity to talk to so many of the salespeople who help our economy grow.
2: Then there's Clinton's Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, representing Herbalife. Republican Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson endorsed a company called Manatech. Republican Congresswoman Marsha Blackburn is an MLM booster, too. And of course, we have Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. After she survived the grilling from Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump gave her a warm welcome.
1: So I'm going to do my job, and Betsy at the education level will do her job. And just to do it very, very formally, I
4: want to congratulate you on having gone through a very tough trial and a very unfair trial, and you won.
2: And he's no stranger to MLMs either. Just Google ACN endorsement, and you'll see.
4: The two things I've mastered over the years is understanding the importance of timing in business and the ability to recognize great opportunities and also great people. So I'm here to tell you about a company that provides these two essential components for success.
0: That's also part of why we're looking into this right now, because it feels so of the moment.
2: After the break, Jane's complicated relationship with MLMs and her journey back to her home state, Amway's home state, Michigan. We're back, and Jane is taking us to where she grew up.
0: I grew up in a rural area outside of Flint, Michigan. It was a bedroom community for the auto industry in Flint.
2: Where most of the men worked for GM.
0: My dad did not, and it was really obvious when it came time to buy a car because I didn't have the dad discount when all of my friends did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but And my grandparents had a trucking company that shipped parts for a company called Fabricating Engineers, which made parts for GM. So they were, like, tangentially related. But my great uncle worked on the line. Like, everybody's friends, family, you know, mostly men would go work on the line. And some people went off to college, but this is generations deep.
2: She said for kids growing up in her small town of Owasso, there weren't that many options, especially for the girls.
0: The girls? counselor's office at my high school had one file cabinet drawer, one drawer of brochures for universities. And they weren't even all, some of them were two-year colleges, but one drawer in the counselor's office had any information. This is before the internet. So that's where we went to look what future, what the future held. So, you know, MLMs coming into a community like that, I think it's three quarters of the sales force in the MLM industry is female. Um, and a lot of the products are geared towards women. And in my community, it was something that you heard about and kind of thought about your whole life. I mean, I did. I I knew what an Avon lady was. I knew what Mary Kay was. I knew what Tupperware was.
2: Was it like everyone in town was doing this? Yeah.
0: I mean, to some extent. I mean, you know, my mom never signed up for an MLM, but we hosted Tupperware parties because that's part of this the way it the, these companies work, right? They get into your house by saying, we'll host a party and, and we'll give you a hostess gift, which is like a 10-piece Tupperware set. So my mom was very frugal and did that sort of thing and then never signed up. She was like the, the, that kind of jerk. <laughs>
2: That's a savvy way to do it.
0: One of my junior high classmates is like a really high up in one of these companies. And just total coincidence, one of the people that we talked to who lost money and didn't do well is her pastor.
2: The woman Jane is talking about is Katie Hyde. In The Dream, she tells Jane how she spiraled into debt working for Mary Kay.
3: You're spending the money to maintain your director status, or you're spending money to maintain your red jacket status, or the car that you so desperately want to earn. Because if I'm supposed to have a $4,000 quota and I'm at $2,000 and I'm really tired and no one's going to order, then I might as well just put $2,000 on my credit card, right? Because I can sell it and I'm a good seller and it doesn't matter and I'll wake up feeling better tomorrow and that's what I'm going to do, right? And then you feel good for 48 hours and then you realize, shoot, there's 28 days left in this month and I need to get another $4,000 for this month. And it's the same scenario over and over and over again. You hate being there, but you're not sure how to leave and you feel guilty if you do. You've invested so much of your life and your identity. And I think when it comes to Mary Kay or anything like that, people look at you and say, OK, you're going to become a millionaire selling Scentsy. OK, that people do have that natural inclination to look at you that way. And you think, no, I'm going to prove them wrong. And then I didn't. uh, But I have so much invested. I'm not really sure I can drop out of this. It's just you're conflicted.
2: So Katie is a pastor from Jane's hometown, and she ends up getting close to $10,000 in debt. How does she get in so deep?
0: Psychology. Psychology. They, the companies played to her psychology, which we talked to a microeconomist about this and a couple of historians. But basically, there are things that we do as human beings that are not awesome, and they don't help us much in life, but we're compelled to do them. And MLMs exploit these things about human nature. So one of them is what Katie was talking about with putting more money, more orders on her own credit card in order to maintain her status. There's uh, something called honoring sunk costs, which we all do, and this will be very familiar to anyone listening. Um, It's like once you've spent a lot of money on something, you don't want to just throw it away if it's not working or abandon it. You think, well, I've got $1,000 into that. Like I'll, you know, it's the question of do I fix up my car? Do I trade it in at a loss? Do I go on this vacation where I have a non-refundable ticket even though something came up that's more important, or do I just eat the price of the plane ticket? And we face those sorts of decisions every single day, and we often make the wrong choice because we have a tendency to say once we put money into something, it's value it has value, regardless of whether that value is doing us any good or whether we're enjoying it. MLMs know, (laughs) the companies know that that's part of human behavior and human nature and bank on that. Bank on the fact that if you put $1,000 in, say you're even doing okay, but you want to make $1,500 in a month. Well, you've already put this much in. What you should do is spend a couple grand coming to a conference with us. And then we'll train you how to get up to $1,500. So then you spend the money going to the conference and you come back and you're further in the hole. And it takes some sort of event or some realization to go, wait, what? Like I, How did this happen to me?
2: What is driving people in Owasso or anywhere who are thinking of joining and then end up joining and then get into this?
0: They want extra money. They want the things that are being promised. They want to stay at home with their kids and have a flexible schedule. I want that. I mean, I want that. You know, I want what they're promising. I want to make my rent and then some, working an hour or two nights and weekends here and there and selling stuff to my best girlfriends and my cousins. All of that sounds great. Like, because that's what what they say you can do.
2: Do you think you might have, (laughs) have gotten into MLMs if you'd stayed in Michigan?
0: Totally. Yeah. I... What else was what else would I do? <laughs> I'm a hustler. I know how to talk to people. I know how to go up to strangers, right and and s- spark a conversation. I like getting dressed fancy for work. You know, <laughs> there's things like about me that would maybe translate to one of these careers.
2: If you think about people like Katie, do you think differently about that at all?
0: I, I guess maybe I have more sympathy. If there was anyone that I was feeling bad (laughs) for uh, at a distance, you know, if there were people that I, not even from my community, but like when, you know, thinking about who would join one of these companies, it really made it even more human. I mean, I already had that experience of it being very humanized by my family members, but, you know, getting out there and, and talking to as many people as I did, I think it probably made me less judgmental.
2: After the break, we're bringing you an exclusive listen to some of Jane and Dan's reporting for The Dream, where Dan begins his journey investigating Amway and the ways the MLM industry is regulated or not.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: I've been following the dream for the past couple of weeks, and it's really interesting. And so I want to share with you part of Dan Gallucci's journey reporting for this podcast. Already at this stage, Dan has spent hours with two experts in the field, Robert Fitzpatrick and Bruce Craig, retracing the MLM industry from the early 20th century up until today. But he discovers the person he really needs to speak to is someone else. Someone who knew the 1979 Federal Trade Commission case against Amway better than anyone. I'll let Dan and Jane take it from here.
5: So I want to find this Amway case. Mm -hmm. If it's such a big deal, I want to find any records of it and see who was involved with it. And when I found it, I saw that there were five lawyers attached to the case. And the lead lawyer was a guy named Joe Brownman. And that was a name that I hadn't seen yet. So I went to Robert and Bruce and I said, What do you guys know about Joe Brownman? Mm-hmm. And they were like, First things first, Joe doesn't talk to anyone, so don't don't even try it. I mean, I know that Bruce talked to him every once in a while. He has a colleague or a friend, but not in an interview situation. Um, Robert had tried.
4: As I said in my email, I, I think I may be one of the few people that actually stalk him out. I never heard his name. In all the years I've been working on this, people spoke extensively about the the case, the judge, the failure, the consequences, and so on. But almost nobody ever mentioned a person uh, at the FTC. Uh, One reason, of course, is that he vanished. So
0: he vanished? No.
5: No, he didn't vanish. He lived five blocks from the FTC. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Dan? Yes. Hey, it's Joe. Yeah, so, I mean, he wasn't hard to find at all. Um, But the thing is, he did kind of disappear from the world of MLMs because after he prosecuted the Amway case, you know, and he had put years and years into that and was pretty devastated by the result, he stopped, he basically stopped doing that kind of work. I would find that out later yeah. but first I just needed to contact him so he agreed to get on the phone with me he mm-hmm. didn't agree to an interview but just to get on the phone and talk I get on the phone with him and he just starts talking mm-hmm. and talking <laughs> and it's amazing this is a pre-interview and it lasted over an hour mm-hmm. I wanted to get this guy on tape so bad and so he agreed to it
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. Start, start with a question or two, and I'll go into whatever you want to know. And, Great. you know, if you need more information, just, you know, just as far as starting off, do you want to know where I was born, or do you want to know where yeah, I Yeah, where were you born? born? Whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. One, no, come on. No,
5: I one. do. Where were you born? I was born in the Williamsburg
4: Maternity Hospital in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't think that hospital even exists any longer. And Williamsburg today is not what Williamsburg was like when I was living there 70 years ago.
5: <laughs> not only did he agree to talk to me. Which was surprising. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. You know, when we schedule an interview, we almost always schedule it for an hour. Yeah. And I would schedule it for an hour. I started doing an hour and a half, and then they started getting,
0: getting into the two-hour range.
5: Yeah, <laughs> He's telling me all of this information that's really important.
0: And he hasn't talked to anyone. He hasn't
5: talked to anyone in 30 years. He's never sat down and just— gone over the details of not only the Amway case, but what I've learned is many more cases he was involved right, in. Right, right.
0: So you're getting like gold and
4: you...
5: And I'm struggling because he would interrupt me with new cases that i need to follow.
4: There, there are still things to be said about Jaramar, and uh, we, I can okay. do it now in two or three minutes maybe, just to tell you why I think Jeremar is important.
5: Okay. So, Joe's right. The Jeremiah case would turn out to be really important to the entire history of the FTC and, and MLMs. But I had a problem. I would always have to schedule these for Thursday night. And Thursday night, my daughter goes to ballet, and I needed to pick her up.
4: And I just wanted to mention
5: this to you in case you find this interesting i do and i appreciate it um do you want
4: to say what i'm saying i I do yeah you know and and and, you know part of the part of the problem might have been that the jeremiah case was brought by the san francisco office
5: and so i would say to him joe i got to get off the phone right now Mm -hmm. like i have to get off the phone Joe, I hate to say it, I got to go pick up my daughter from ballet. So I'm um, Okay, so no, I'm, I'm fine. I don't know whether what
4: I'm saying to you is understandable. It makes sense to me, but I don't know if you're able to follow everything I'm saying. Can it, you it, tell
5: me? I yes, I, and it's uh, it's understandable. I know what
4: you're doing. I know what yeah. you're doing. I know. But, um, but uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm I'm more um um I'm more concerned about. The
5: wrong thing. So I'm running around the studio trying to shut lights off and stuff while I'm still talking to him. <laughs> and so it would be like you know, like it matters, like that five <laughs> seconds matters, you know. But I'd be like turning the lights off and trying to anything I could shut down. I would um, you need to
0: make a robot Dan that just makes affirmative noises, right? That you could set in a chair. Well, we have to go get it, her. It was
5: it was funny because I would open the door from the studio to the other part of the studio, and I'd be yelling like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh, and he just didn't even, it didn't even While you're like packing up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He gave me so much information that only he could because he was the one that was there in the courtroom trying to prosecute these early MLMs. As I dug deeper into the companies he was taking to court, and more importantly, the owners of the companies that he was taking to court, I found myself on a pretty wild ride.
2: Dan Gallucci from The Dream, Stitcher's new podcast all about the weird world of multi-level marketing. Dan continues this journey over the coming weeks. And meanwhile, you'll hear Jane Marie find out what it's like being at the top of the pyramid in her hometown and at the bottom. You'll also get to follow their producer's attempt to make it big in a cosmetics-based MLM. Good luck to her. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It's out right now. This episode was produced by Claire Rawlinson and Anna Mazarakis with Sarah Wyman, Amy Pedula, and me. This week's episode was edited by Peter Clowney and mixed by Casey Holford. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon, Jenny Radalit, Laura Mayer, and me. Quick heads up before you go, Household Name is taking a break next week. We're diving into a whole bunch of new episodes, though, and we'll be back in your feeds on October 17th. Here's a taste of what's to come in Season 2.
0: Have you ever been in a Waffle (laughs) House? It is uh, kind of
2: just a microcosm of of America. Elon Musk made such a name for him so the media goes nuts.
1: H-B-I-C, head bitch in charge.
5: <laughs> or if we're in Disneyland and there are kids around, it's head babe in charge.
2: See you back on October 17th. And until then, don't forget, you can always get in touch via phone or email. We want to hear how brands have affected your life. Or maybe you have a burning question about a big brand. Get in touch with us at 7313brands or by emailing householdname at businessinsider.com. Household Name is a production of Insider Audio.
3: Stitcher.